this is Headmistress McGonagall welcoming you to Geeks of the Week. <laughs> Welcome to Geeks of the Week, episode 12? Oh my God. Holy crap. That's like, wow. that's like three months worth of podcasts. That's crazy. We've been doing three months of podcasting. Wow. It feels like we just started still, though. It, it like, really it, does. Maybe it's because we can never get like our time frames done. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Managing, managing the coasts is is a little bit. Plus, the, it's like it's like the coasts that we're on different coasts, and also that we both have mm-hmm. toddlers. It's like those yeah. two factors make scheduling impossible. Well, shit. Now we're you got to smash right it. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, we're doing our best. Like, we're we're freaking we're juggling doing... time zones here right now. We got three separate time zones right now. Like we're in like literally, we're we got like past pre we got past future further future. Is what is. And I thought I was in a different time zone than the one I'm actually in. <laughs> They're hard to keep track of. Like literally. No, here's I, got I did so not proud. know. I got so proud of myself because I was like, what time zone are you in? She was like, oh, yeah, I'm on GMT. I was like, well, shit, I'm only used to Eastern and Pacific. <laughs> I'm still trying to, like, work out CT, but I'm going I'm to do this. Looked it up. I said, what time is it in GMT right now? Saw it and was like, okay, that's a certain amount of hours ahead. I told Chanel, I was like, hey, let's do this at 7 for you, which is noon for me, which is 3 for Megan, and everyone's going to be cool. Perfect. And I, and I got to feel Chanel hit me up like, hey, are we still on for this? And I'm just like, oh, yeah, no problem. We got like an hour. And then she says, it's actually like half past seven. What? <laughs> I was just sitting around like, la, la, la. And then I found out my 15-year-old cousin was like, Chanel, we're not on GMT all the time. Our time zones change. I was like, what? <laughs> How did I get to this old? And I did not know <laughs> Oh, shit. I, mean, I feel like I should have so That's news to I me too. Like I, I told my wife I was like, because she was there when I was like figuring it all out. She was looking at me like I was like super impressed, and I just shattered that whole thing. She was just like, "Wait, GMT changes?" I was like, "Apparently." <laughs> she and then she looked at me and said, "Time is a fucking construct, and I don't care what you say." <laughs> and that's why she's awesome. <laughs> That's why. That's why she's the wife. That's why she's the wife. She was really great for Father's Day. She let me do almost almost whatever I wanted. That's that's, that's that's a gift right there. It is. I had two milkshakes at this place called Cafe 50s, Ooh. who has 43 different types of milkshakes. I had s'mores and I had apple pie, and it was a, it was delicious. I'm so jealous right now. That sounds so good. You should be. But when you come to LA, we should go. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a nice little swanky place. Plays great 50s music. Uh, has a great like aesthetic like there's a jukebox it's just funny because like i i sit there and i get this like little satisfaction of like i'm a black guy and it's like 50s type of establishment <laughs> dude <laughs> oh, these kind of fantasies you're making me want to book a ticket right now the f- i already have like so many favorite food places in la from like the handful of times that i've been and knowing that i'm gonna get to go to even more i'm just like oh <laughs> i'm excited to go i've only ever been to pennsylvania in america i think like flew into new york and then got the bus down to pennsylvania hmm. so i'm excited to go to some more places what, what drew you to pennsylvania of all places, of all in the places. US? <laughs> i worked on a kids camp teaching horseback riding oh, and it. yeah it was basically a whole summer of american children going say water bottle <laughs> and then i say water bottle when they're like what a bottle <laughs> That sounds adorable and frustrating all at the same time. (laughs) The reason why we love people across the water is because the T isn't as pronounced over there as like we use it. We like we like our T's. It's like it's like water, water, (laughs) teacup. 
<laughs> we're we're super into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of across the water, we got an interesting episode for you guys. We're talking Harry Potter, and we are here right now with Chanel Williams. She is awesome on TikTok. She is known for her Mary Gonagall impressions, which is amazing. <laughs> like I swear to God, you close your eyes, and I really think it's Maggie Smith sitting right next to me talking about sex education. It sounds weird, <laughs> but it kind of works. No, but thank you so much for joining us. You have no thank you i'm well excited to be here you have obviously elite taste in harry potter characters because minerva mcgonagall is the goat but also oh like i love that like you have become tiktok's mcgonagall like you're just you are tiktok's mcgonagall and it's amazing yes. <laughs> like... i'm literally so proud because honestly she is all i aspire to be <laughs> <laughs> including the scottishness like she is she is elite. <laughs> yes. She is. She, she is like. I feel like McGonagall. Everybody needs. Everybody either knows a McGonagall or desperately needs a McGonagall. Like I think that's like very important <laughs> to know. Like when you're growing up, you have like that hard ass teacher, but she's like she's only hard on you because she cares. Like she yeah. really cares about you and like where you're going in life. And if you don't have it, I feel sorry for you because it's like you're just out here running wild and there's no McGonagall <laughs> to like smack you with a ruler, a verbal ruler, because she never did it physically. She would just saw it. She always just gave you like the look. <laughs> It's like the eyebrow, the eyebrow, the arched eyebrow down the nose. <laughs> oh my gosh! I wouldn't be surprised that during the final battle, she was just like verbally lashing everybody. There was no magic involved. She would just like a Death Eater would show up, and she's like, "What are you doing here? Go home!" And like, I'm sorry, it's not as good as yours, but they would just like run the other direction. No, one time, one of my very best friends, um, randomly was um, ass assigning our friend group Harry Potter characters. Um, and she said that I was definitely McGonagall and I was um, pregnant at this time. And I was also just like very, I was like, I was like in a mood and I really resented being <laughs> compared to a strict teacher in that moment. I was like, oh, like I'm the only one of the friend group that I'm like, what I'm going to be like. <laughs> and I, I completely just like miss, I missed the beauty of that moment because I was too busy being irrationally emotional. Um, I was like, no, when I'm like, I'm like serious or something. And now I'm like, you idiot. I, I am a lot like McGonagall. And even if I'm not, that was a goddamn compliment. The compliment. That's a compliment. Somebody call, I'll be jealous if somebody didn't call me McGonagall. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to be, Quirrell? Like, you're calling me Quirrell because I'm not McGonagall? Right. Fuck you. I'm McGonagall. No, I tell you, what, uh, pregnancy hormones are a trip, so, like... Oh, I've seen, I've, yeah, I've you, been at the you know. other end. Of, yeah, it's not a joke. I thought it was a joke. I just always thought it was like shit that you saw on TV and movies. But no, that shit's real. The pregnancy brain is real. Yep. Just, yep. wow. It's... I can't even imagine. I'm bad enough just on my normal hormones. <laughs> like people people always ask me for my like hormonal stories on to my TikTok live. So I can't imagine when it's time for me to experience those. I'm going to be bad. Oh my God. <laughs> And you know what? And it's like, it's an excuse. It's definitely, I'm not going to say it's an excuse excuse, but it's kind of an excuse I mean, because like you can always just kind of say like, look, that's the baby sucking your <laughs> life force and your food, taking half your shit. And I understand. I get it. There's a whole other person living literal rent free in your body. So if you want to be upset about it, I can't be upset at you for getting upset about it. Now's the time. <laughs> Now's the time. But you know, speaking of McGonagall, you know what, like, like, because we can, like, go, we, when it comes to talking about Harry Potter, we can go from, like, books to film, which is why I love talking about Harry Potter, because, like, they're so different, but they're so similar, and there's, like, so much to talk about, and when, like, I think of, like, Harry Potter, like, I, Harry Potter is what gave me my one rule when it came to book and film adaptations, because mm. I, I remember reading the books after I had seen the, uh, the first couple movies, 
And the books, I, I enjoyed the movies and I still enjoy those movies a lot. I didn't have the expectation of, I saw this in the book, so it has to happen this way. But then mm. like when I had jumped the gun and saw and read, went ahead and read uh, Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hollows, and then saw those movies after I read the books, it was like a diminished experience for me. And that's just like just a fault of my own because now I'm just kind of like, ooh, I want this to happen and I want this to happen. Yeah. If it doesn't happen, the movie has failed. And one of those moments was seeing McGonagall. There's a scene in the book, or is it a scene if it's not visual? There's a moment in the book <laughs> where McGonagall, like, she uses her magic to hurl a fucking desk at a group of Death Eaters. Like, I think it's like eight Death Eaters. She throws, she does some boss <laughs> shit, throws a desk, and then, like, like I remember, like, Harry described her as, like, her hair was down, she looked feral, like, she had her wand pointed out, there was, like, eight students behind her, and she goes, charge! And I was just like, this is the McGonagall that I need to see! And I didn't get that in the movie, and that really disappointed me. <laughs> She's an absolute queen. (laughs) There are so many things from the books that I see. I read all of the books before I went to go and watch the films. And I think it's a very different experience for me as an adult now because I can separate them. Mm -hmm. But at the time when they were coming out, it was like I'd go and I'd sit there and think, well, what have they missed out? Because we've been kind of the first few had come out already but mm. every mcgonagall scene i was like please be in it please be in it because yeah. all of them are goals yeah, yeah. absolute goals yeah i we definitely when i when i like i was young enough where i'm i'm old enough where when i was a kid the books were coming out and like it's funny to me because i think there is um like you were saying juju there's a real difference in the way that people perceive them depending on like how you consumed um the media like i not only read the books many, many times before I saw even the mm. first film, but like I would go to like midnight bookstore releases um, because <laughs> I was I was definitely obsessed. And like my mom would take me and we would just sit there waiting for the book. And then I would stay up all night reading the book in one go because I was just obsessed with it. And I've read I've read all of the books like literally dozens of times. There was a point in my life when I was mm-hmm. reading them once a year. Um, and I have like a complicated relationship with them now because of the jk yeah. rowling thing um but yeah it's i i i i was not super old when i saw the first movie like i think i was like a preteen still but i was definitely already like mm, this isn't this isn't enough like the books for me <laughs> and i know right, that like right. the first couple of movies were very very similar to the books but it just super close yeah it, it still wasn't cool like i i wanted every detail um and yeah, right. so it just, I, I and I've, I've learned to appreciate them for being something separate. Everything except, like, um, the Goblet of Fire is one of the most egregious to me because, like, the leaving, like, leaving <laughs> yeah. Winky out of the story made zero fucking sense to me. Like, Winky is so yeah. important to that story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. In a way, Winky is important to, like, the relationship between Ron and Hermione as well. Yes. Because, like, that, that was, like, what led them to, like, their first kiss is, like, you know, it's, like, the arc of Ron and Hermione's relationship where, like, Hermione is super compassionate towards, like, these, like, elves who are slaves, who are slaves, <laughs> and it's, like, it's, like, someone is, like, you know, she grew up learning about, like, slavery, so I think, like, she definitely is, like, hey, it's happening right now, I can do something about it. But then, like, you know, Ron always kind of, like, scoffed at the idea and just kind of was just, like, you know, he grew up around house slaves, so it's almost, like, you can you can kind of, like, tie the uh metaphor of like ron being one of those like kind of like he he would support trump for sure like he would be like he would probably support trump and be like hey like 
slavery happened, but look where we are now. Like, it's all a part of life. Ron was definitely, like, that character. But it was the moment where he realized, like, hey, this shit is, like, kind of wrong. And during this, like, heat of battle, he, like, actually had the thought to let's save the house elves in this situation because we don't want any more dying like Dobby, who was a good friend of ours. And that's what, like, kind of, like, sparked the kiss that we've been waiting for for, like, seven, seven books, thousands of pages later. So there's, like little underrated moments throughout the books that like i wish made it into the films i understand why they didn't but it's if they would have went into the film it just would have made the world like that much richer like one of my favorite underrated moments is actually in the philosopher's stone where and it's like you have to like really think about it to like really like understand what's happening is like fred and george are like throwing snowballs at professor quirrell's head at the back of his head and then you realize that Voldemort is literally living on the back of <laughs> Professor Quirrell's head. So they're throwing snowballs at Voldemort's head when you think about it. And it's like, I want to, like, imagine that reveal in the movie, seeing Fred and George do that thing. And if you're watching the movie for the first time, he takes off the shit. And you're just like, oh, wow, Voldemort's face is there. Oh, shit, Fred and George were throwing <laughs> snowballs at Voldemort's face. Like, it's, it's stuff like that that I wish was part of the movies that uh, that, like, really... Like it, it, it tears me. It tears me in two. Just like more, I know we don't get I know why we didn't get it, but we need more Fred and George in general. Like mm-hmm. the the lack of Fred and George in the movies is really really yeah. bothersome. It's very upsetting. <laughs> right? It really is. It really is. Like, are we gonna forget that Fred and George were given the money by Harry to start their own joke shop? Like, yeah. like their joke shop is literally Harry Harry's like a like a investor in that in that thing. Exactly. You know, so like it, like the fact we didn't even get like just one scene of Harry, like, here, take these galleons, go make a shop, dudes. And they're just like, holy shit. And that kind of like helps them. Like, and it's also like great, like at the end of, uh, they have that great scene. I feel like their greatest moment is the, that scene in, uh, Order of the Phoenix where like they say like, fuck it, we're dropping out. And they like set off the fireworks. They like say, fuck you to my, uh, Umbridge and like get out of there. But how much better would it be to, like, kind of, like, see the fallout of that? And, like, their mom are just kind of like, you dropped out. <laughs> and Harry's just kind of like, hey, hey, have some money, dudes. Like, you dropped it's out. But Harry, like, kind of saved their career, actually. Well, and Peeves, too. Like, Peeves is another reason Peeves. why we didn't get, I think, enough of the Weasleys. Because so much of the Weasley twins' interactions in the books were with Peeves. And Peeves not being in the movies, I was like, ugh. And again, this is like book purist stuff. And I, I understand that a lot of people like the movies for what they are. And like, the movies yeah. has a, have a lot going for them. The score of those movies is one of the all-time greatest oh scores of all yes. time, for sure. Yes. Like, it definitely sells the magic. Like, it's amazing. Who, who is that? John Williams that did that? John Williams did the first couple. And then, like, they went to... I, I know Alexander Desplat did uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. I, don't, I think he might have done... Half Blood Prince as well, but yeah. they, they switched. I know John Williams. Definitely You're right. Did the John Williams two, did one through three. Sure. Yeah, they had Patrick Doyle, Nicholas Hooper, and Alexander Desplat did the did the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think Alexander was like nominated for an Academy Award for the the last one, it which, which was one great. Like, yeah, yeah. The the battle itself like was a little lacking for me because it's literally just like a bunch of people and like like I like I, I like it. It's just like to me. 
there was like no direction because everyone's in black. I don't know who's who, which I guess is like a battle. <laughs> like I, I totally get that. But I like the, the the thing about the book is like in that battle, you know who who was doing what because it's like so descriptive. It's like oh, one minute you see Neville literally throwing like tentacles over the balcony and like hitting Death Eaters in the face. You see Luna turning the stairs into like a slide for Death Eaters to like fall. You see Ginny, who you know is the best fighter arguably of like everyone there, like under right under Harry, like firing like super well aimed hexes into crowds and like hitting people with like precision. You get all these moments because like you also get the since that Harry trained these people and it like the training has like kind of paid off. Yeah. Whereas like in the movie, they they made the choice to kind of like follow Harry throughout the entire battle versus like jumping around to see what other characters are doing. And again, that kind of goes with our conversation of like I wish they would have like kind of like stuck with the nature of the book where like we get to see everyone in this battle while still Harry is like being followed. But instead they follow Harry and it's kind of like there's chaos going on. Yeah. But me, when I see, like, battle, like, I'm not necessarily into chaos. I'm into character moments inside of the battle, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you see some gruesome shit. Like, Lavender Brown got ate by a fucking werewolf. And I was like, holy shit. But <laughs> but uh, <laughs> at the same time, I wanted to see things like Rop show up, uh, Buckbeak show up, like, the house elves coming out well, with cleavers and shit. The books also you know? just had more creative use of magic. Because, like, in the movies, it's very much just, like, you're shooting a spell at someone that's, like, hitting them. And it, that's all it is. It's, it's like a blow. Mm -hmm. But, like, like you said, like, turning the stairs into a slide. Like, creative uses of, like, using spells versus the movies. It was very much, like... Bam, bam, that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Like, when I think about the uh, the Battle of... When I think about it visually, the Battle of Hogwarts, to me, it is just that sequence where the dome goes over Hogwarts. Like, that is the iconic mm -hmm. thing from the films that you remember. But the actual fighting itself, like... <laughs> It just didn't. Yeah. It, it didn't have that it, that impact. You didn't really like. Oh, look, they're swishing some. Mm, mm, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the death. Um, the death of George. George is the one that dies. Fred. Yes. Fred. Okay. Fred. Fred. Yeah. Fred. Fred. Yeah. Uh, is also I feel like glossed over in in the in the movies, and I mean all all of the deaths like, more like Colin it, yeah. Colin Creevy dies as well, right? I feel like they in the in the in the books. I don't think he shows up in the movie. There's so many mm. instances we lose those moments, but I wanted to ask too. I wanted to go around, and so um, Chanel, uh, let let's all let's start with Chanel. But what what is your favorite part of like the Harry Potter story in general? Like, what is the thing that draws you to the story and keeps you interested in it? Mm, what's n now still as an adult or well like so how let, let's say like, like how what what got you into it um when you first became a fan and what do you right. think is like the thing that that keeps people so attached to it i think it's really the harry potter fandom it's so it's amazing just because it is so vast isn't it I got into I didn't really have a choice whether to get into Harry Potter honestly it was the first one was read to me when I was six and it was my bedtime story and I would race to bed every day I'm like it's 5 p.m <laughs> it's 5 p.m we've got to go you can't read it to me because my aunt used to do it with all the voices and it was kind of embarrassing but up until I was like 14 I was still like no I'm not reading it to myself my aunt does it with the voices you need to read it to me so I was perfectly old enough to read it to myself but I would just refuse and um just growing up with it I feel like I grew up as they grew up and then just watching the development 
of all of it. It was just so cool up until going to the final midnight premiere and all of us were dressed in our robes and crying at the last one doing mischief managed in the cinema, like <laughs> sobbing on each other because it was never going to happen again. And mm -hmm. I just think it's so nice coming back onto TikTok and finding that people are still discovering it afresh. Because for me, I haven't read the books. I'm rereading them now because for my Potter parody series, I want to put things that were in the books that weren't in the films. Um, right. So I'm rereading them now. But up until, you know, the last few weeks, I hadn't read these books for 10 years. And it's amazing how much I have forgotten of the canon. And it is like, rediscovering it i mean there's a lot wrong with them but i think the nostalgia of it just growing up with it is so it's beautiful <laughs> well and that you bring up a good good point too that like there's so much harry potter fan fiction and so many fans were so attached to it that they really wanted to expand on the story on their own and i think for a lot of fans it it does become hard to differentiate um what is fan fiction what is canon because it's it's really a story that's kind of been taken taken into the hands of the fans and even before it's jk rowling became like the problematic uh figure that she is now i think people were very much like this this belongs to all of us you know right yeah right. it's it's almost like they've taken it away from jk like yeah it's like, this isn't yours anymore yeah <laughs> you don't deserve what you've created and i think there's a lot of discourse about like should we even be should we even still be discussing these books because there there is a lot of problematic um themes in the book mm -hmm. even like the the house elf thing like you were talking about earlier about like ron would definitely be a trump supporter like i do think that she introduced a lot of flawed metaphors, like the metaphor about mm. Lupin being a werewolf as a metaphor for um, the AIDS experience, but then she refused to make him canonically queer. And also the idea that AIDS could, uh, the parallel for AIDS would be a, a deadly werewolf that murders people when um, when he turns. Like that's that's an incredibly yeah. flawed metaphor. And same thing with like the yeah. wizarding, same thing with like the wizarding community when, um, you say like, oh, well, you know, Hermione is championing for champion championing for the freedom of the house elves. Um, but the entire point of the series is that uh, they're fighting against pure blood wizards. And it's an analogy for racism, allegedly and oppression. Um, but then you've got the good guys that are like, oh, well, they're happy slaves, you know, like <laughs> it's just it's it's, you know, yeah. it's and, and so I think that it is difficult to like to accept your attachment to this problematic series from written by this problematic person. But I do think that like maybe going forward, like I struggle with it because like you were talking about Chanel, the first thing I thought of when I got pregnant was I cannot wait to read these books to my child and share this experience mm -hmm. that was so important to me as a kid with them. Um, and it's one of those things where now I have a complicated relationship to it and I'm wondering like how much emphasis should I put on this series because there is stuff about it that I don't want him to be taking with him as he grows up. Um, and there are other great books, but it also I think that for people like us who did grow up with it and it was such an integral part of our childhoods, like um, mm -hmm. it's not 100% necessary to separate, you know, yourself from it. I think that it, it's also not enough just to say, oh, JK's JK's bad, but I'm still going to enjoy this. I think that we all need to do, we need to put in the work, but I also think that, you know, um, Roland Barthes, Bart, Bart, I don't, I don't, I think he's French. I don't know how you pronounce it, but he, <laughs> yeah. he's the one who wrote the, the article about death of the author and about how once an artist puts something out there into the world, 
to an extent, it's no longer their own. It's, it, yeah. you know, and, and reading is, he argues that reading is not a passive experience. It's an interactive thing that you, as the reader, um, you, you, it's engaging and you create this thing that the author put in front of you, but your mind is the one that makes it tangential, that makes it a right. reality. And so I think that reading is very personal. And I do think that to an extent you can separate the work um, from the artist. But I, I also think that it's more than that. It's just that you, I can have a completely different reading of the characters than someone else. And that's, that's good. And that's, that's normal. Um, and yeah, so it's, 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 I, I feel like I don't know how to wrap this up, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's complicated, but, I guess is what I'm no, getting at. I get you. Yeah, no, I totally I, get you. It, go ahead, Chanel. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think I find it really interesting purely for like, there is so much that we now realize looking back as adults and, you know, as older people or just people with more open eyes I think now can very clearly see that there's a lot wrong with it but I think we also for me personally Harry Potter taught me a lot of my morals about friendship about lots of other things so I think as well as looking back it's very disappointing to kind of see the stuff that I missed but I think the things that were clear to me as a child have stayed with me and they're a massive part of who I am now and I'm still very proud of those I think it's so unique to JK Rowling and the whole Harry Potter universe like like you said <laughs> most people when they put something out there it's out there but she continually just keeps adding stuff and it's like yeah. please just go away she's trying to hold on to it she's exactly. trying, yeah, before it's not good. like before she was even problematic and she released that thing about well wizards never used to use toilets and they just used to shit themselves and <laughs> then just all over vanish the I knew that J.K. Rowling was, or I, I know it's pronounced Rowling. Someone someone told me this recently, but I, I kind of want to keep mispronouncing it just because of my relationship with her these days. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm trying to be be correct. Rowling. But yeah, um, so someone um the 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 moment that I knew that I was like mm, something's wrong here is when my entire life after reading the books, all I wanted was a series about the Moderers. That's all I wanted mm. was Moderers series, yep. ma ma Moderers, and Marauders. Marauders. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's coming to me. I got you. You're so angry. You're angry that you can't criticize. I am. Like, literally, that's all I wanted. As soon as we were introduced to them, I was like, yes, please give me more of these. Like, please. Um, and when the Fantastic Beasts series was announced, I was like, what oh, the fuck is this? <laughs> like, hate oh, we gonna get into that. This Trust is me. not I what I wanted. It. This is not what we asked for. What the fuck? And I, I actually did not <laughs> mind the first movie. I really didn't. And I, I actually really liked um, Eddie Redmayne's portrayal in that, per in that movie because I think that he's a very different leading man that eschews like typical. Puppy. Yes. And he, he embraces like tender masculinity. You know, that's all my jam. So I'm, I'm here for it. The, yeah. the next movie was an absolute garbage fire and I still had my problems with the first but my, but especially the fact that she went out of her way to say oh Dumbledore is gay like the only, like there are so many characters mm -hmm. that she could have that she could have explicitly made gay and then after all the books are written she's like oh yeah Dumbledore the guy who was too old to have any kind of romantic tension with anyone he, he was gay don't worry representation <laughs> and then she's got an opportunity to put it in the movies and they're like no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> how about how about some more clear coding? You cool with that? Let's just let's just, let's just <laughs> not cool. You know, not cool. You, 
you know, my relationship with those books, like as an adult now, like re- reading them as a kid, like I'm with you, Chanel. There's like there's such an integral part of like who I am as like a person now. Like I've learned a lot of my lessons. Like it's like Harry Potter, Hey Arnold. That's who shaped my identity, basically. You know, you learn you learn about friendship. You learn about how to be a good person. Hermione is one of my favorite characters because like. In, in, like most places I, I feel like I walk into a place where I don't necessarily belong you know you know what I mean just kind of yeah. like I'm not I'm not supposed to be here or there there are people who've been here long before I have and they know way more about these things than I do so I have to kind of overcompensate by kind of like doing the work and kind of like being on their level in that front which in and of itself is like a black experience which is why I'm glad there was a black actress playing Hermione in the uh, play even though it's a fucking dumpster fire as well but uh (laughs) we'll talk about that too but uh now when i read them like it to me it's it's one of those things where it's like jk rowling puts in some good intention type things like making voldemort like the hitler and like tackling like the themes of like racism of the pure bloods versus like the 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 mixed the half bloods and all those type of things but you could tell she still has a lot of work to do like it's it's Mm -hmm. something that we should have seen like a long way away just from those books it's like yeah oh she 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 views uh let's see the vein of like racism through hermione's eyes but there's a character named cho chang let's yep. uh let's yep. like, let's uh let's talk about like uh you know abandonment issues and like you know adoption and things of that sort oh but let's also uh make ron okay with slavery it's like it's like those it's like those type of like give and takes where you're just kind of like yeah, she's trying, but there's still something in her that we shouldn't agree with. Well, I mean, and so, all of it. Like, literally, the, yeah. the Patil twins are, you know, in, yeah. supposed to be yeah. Indian. And the only way they're characterized, really, is being uh, physically undesirable. That, like, Ron and Harry uh, yeah. didn't actually want to date them because, they're, like, and it's like, why would that I, I be? wanted to date them. Yeah. I like, wanted to date the both of them. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Same thing with they were um, fine. same thing with like the internalized misogyny, like the treatment of Lavender Brown as a character mm-hmm. and Cho Chang and Flor Delacour. Like I've seen it brought yeah. up so many times on TikTok that like Flor is the only woman in the tournament and she like terribly loses every single Everything. challenge. And it's like every, yeah. there's a reason why she was chosen. Like, was it a exactly, joke? Exactly. Exactly. Was the goblet playing a joke? Like, like is the best oh that a God. school full of girls can do is a. a a contestant that barely even ranks among the others it's just it's yeah so i mean and that's the thing that's like separating it is something that is 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 i think has become essential for a lot of uh, harry potter mm-hmm. fans but it's also like talking and and this is where i i guess this is my continuation from earlier but i do <laughs> think that that abandoning it as a fandom is is not really a thing that, that can happen anymore like there's a harry potter right. world right. like it's always going to be out there yeah. and i personally yeah. think that talking about it and and being like communicating the issues and all of us speaking about the issues of the series and we can also still embrace it and love it but having the the group conversation that these problems have always been there and it's not just yeah. that um jk rowling is a turf it's that there's there's problematic issues with the texts and and i think that highlighting that while appreciating something that was so meaningful to a lot of us as children um is is the more important conversation than just oh let it be dead it's always going to be dead it's like it's not right. going to be dead like <laughs> i think we should and I like, always... take it as a grain of salt but i think yeah. that's like the best way to describe it it's like read them enjoy them but you need to take that series with a healthy grain of salt yeah. because there, there are things definitely like to love about it it's escapism it's fantasy it's it's great it's a great story it's a great example of world building but there are things in it that you know you maybe shouldn't 
kind of it's, it's like reading the Bible. It's yeah. like reading the Bible. Or Hemingway. You know? Hemingway is know, a blatant yeah. misogynist, you know, but people still teach his shit in schools, you know? Exactly. There's stories. Jesus did great things, but probably shouldn't sacrifice your child. But what, what, <laughs> what were you going to say, Chanel? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. I think, oh, I think it was looping back to what you were saying about, you know, discussing it. I actually, I find it so fun and interesting to discuss the kind of more problematic sides of it and i do think it's really necessary because as you know more and more people find harry potter like the harry potter fan base age range spans more every year like like you said it's always going to be around and i don't really think it's a case of ruining it for the younger generation i just think it's really good that they are more aware of it and People in my lives come and they always like to send me off on rants about Cursed Child and rants about themes and rants about Dramione because I think it's probably quite fun to watch. But um, it's really it's really nice to discuss it from like lots of different people's perspectives because like we were saying earlier, there is the book canon version of a character, the film canon version, there's mm-hmm. everybody's fan fiction version and then the person, yep. your personal version of a character so i think like everybody reads these stories completely differently everybody sees them differently and it's just nice to get kind of another person's perspective on it absolutely absolutely i mean are you gonna not tell somebody to watch breakfast club because there's a scene of john bender sexually assaulting claire no, I mean, but you need to shout out that that scene is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you need to let them know. Acknowledge it. Yeah, I, I think that it is. There is a difference, I think, between just saying. And, and for me, a lot of the times, the difference is where where the line is. Like, I cannot support Woody Allen anymore. Like, I, I absolutely mm-hmm. can't. And I'm mad at myself that I ever did. And I think that he should be in jail. And I think that what um, J.K. Rowling yeah. is doing is actively putting, it's increasing, um, the viol- like the idea that of normalization of violence towards trans people and mm-hmm. I think that it is still dangerous. Yeah. Do I think that she should be in jail? No. Unfortunately, people are, you know, entitled to give their shitty opinions that literally put people in harm's way on the internet. Um, but I, I do think that like that's like I'm asked all the time about like the I'm an X Men fan, so I'm asked all the time about like how I feel about Brian Singer. And I'm like, yeah, no, I mean Here's the thing is films particularly and J.K. Rowling is, you know, an author. So that's not really it doesn't really apply to her. But films particularly are collaborative. And as long as someone is being held accountable for their actions, I don't necessarily mind as much enjoying things that they were involved with. I'm like, are we going to write off every film that Harvey Weinstein produced? You know, Um, like Brian Singer is probably going to be in jail soon. And I, I always will shit talk him because he's for all accounts, seems like a terrible, terrible person. Um, But I I still enjoy the X-Men films. And I I like for I always cite like Hugh Jackman, for example, Kevin Feige was a producer on those films. I I think that it's you know, there there is a line, but I think that everyone has to know where they draw that line themselves and understand if they're Mm. contributing to something harmful. Um, But overall, I do think that for conversations like these, just opening the discourse is more important because we're never going to shut down J.K. Rowling. You know, yeah. <laughs> even even saying, oh, I'm not going to financially support her. She's one of the wealthiest people in the world already. Like what she's are, richer than the queen. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, is it really going to change it's anything? So, yeah. But I, I, think I, think that... gonna, I, mean, I don't think she's going to stop fucking with the uh, with the story either. Oh, absolutely. That shit. Absolutely not. Stop. 
Yeah, I, I would hate to put a pin in because this is a very interesting discussion, but we're like 30 <laughs> minutes, 35 minutes in. I feel like we can talk about this yes. specific thing for like two, three, the, the end of time, <laughs> because there's a lot of things I, I can say about J.K. Rowling as well. Like, for one, in every movie, why is there like a fucking black kid? That, that, here's the thing, I'm sorry. Like, I go on rant, and I'm trying not to go on this rant, but there, there there's this thing in a prisoner of Azkaban where there's like that one black kid and the one black kid's role only role is to say bad shit you know what I, you know who I'm talking about like he's, he's always there ominous he's black kid just, ominous black kid that's his like what's his name I don't even know he's just the kid to say shit like oh my god it's a signal of death oh my god Sirius has escaped Azkaban he's like trying to catch smoke smoke with your bare hands bro like <laughs> There are only four of you black people throughout all the series, and this is what you're going to do. <laughs> Lee Jordan's gone. Are you the replacement? Come on. Literally. It's like I got, I don't know if you saw, I got a comment the other day, and it was like, you shouldn't be uh, cosplaying McGonagall. McGonagall's not black. And it's like, firstly, I'm also not 75. <laughs> I can't turn into a cat either. So I think that's the least of our problems. But I was just making the point that, right, okay, so if I can only cosplay as a black female character, that gives me Angelina Johnson, who literally only says the dance and then does a thing and goes like thumbs up. And then there's before speaking Roll Lavender Brown. And then there's Aurora Sinistra, who also never speaks. So <laughs> is oh it gosh. as far as yep. black women in Harry Potter? They just get dance. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, well, and, and then uh, there's also like the the quiet. Like, this is the very quiet. Like, that's all. Well, and that's the I things that, that I love about TikTok is like the fact that Chanel, you are you are TikTok's McGonagall. You're our McGonagall. And on TikTok, Indeed. McGonagall is a beautiful black woman, and that's <laughs> yep. fucking awesome. Like I think, like literally, I'd argue she's a blue, beautiful black woman in the books and movies because she got the sass. To <laughs> Why the fuck not? You know, I mean, literally, literally. Um, Maggie Smith. Um, Maggie Smith is. I absolutely adore her as McGonagall, but I stand by that she was just a bit too old. And I think yes. it's time for me to do it. A yes. can do the voice, so <laughs> it'll be vain. <laughs> See, I usually am against reboots of the Harry Potter franchise, but if they reboot it, I definitely want you playing McGonagall. Oh, please. yes. Let's, can we start a Kickstarter for this? <laughs> absolutely. I will but... sign my own petition. <laughs> Chanel, I, I remember when I first started following you, I was like, I saw you before, like I was, I was following you before you hit a million followers. Like I literally think I found you when you were like 200K and you blew up, you blew up so fast. It was amazing and so absolutely <laughs> deserved. Um, but I remember it was, you know, earlier on you got, you got to still, cause you know, people force you into a niche, but you still got to post some of the things that you're really passionate about. And I love some of your earlier videos where you're just like fangirling over Maggie Smith. And I remember you telling stories <laughs> about how, when you were younger, you were like obsessed with her. So please talk about that because I think that that's absolutely the cutest thing in the world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, to say I adore Maggie Smith. <laughs> something else so i actually decided that maggie smith was my favorite human on the planet when i was seven and so i am 20 years later and it's still still true to this day like bless Brain's my family <laughs> but um yeah so basically i watched it was the secret garden that did it for me Classic. and i remember watching the secret garden and i suppose 
I will put it across more eloquently than I actually thought it as a seven-year-old. But I remember watching it and thinking the whole time, I hate this woman. I hate Miss Medlock. She's horrible. She's so, what a skank. <laughs> I really didn't <laughs> like her. And then there's that two, two scenes. And I think Maggie Smith completely changed my whole perspective in two very short scenes. One where she's like blaming the girl and the... Um, master of the house whatever his name is i can't remember lord craven turns around and he's like you were supposed to be in charge and she like crumbles on the stairs and she's like i'll resign i'm sorry and then um afterwards she sees colin walking and she smiles and she's like he's walking and it's the first time in the entire film you see her smile and seven-year-old me was like it's because she loved him. She loved him. And this girl turns up and was just mashing up all the plans, getting him, <laughs> making him sick. <laughs> and then for me, I was like, wow, I've never really, that's character depth. And I want to know more about, about her. And then from that, I kind of decided that. <laughs> so I got someone on the floor. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, from there, I was like, right, I want to watch everything that this woman has been in. And I've always been one of those people where if I love an actor or actress, I want to watch their entire body of work from start to finish because I find it really interesting to see how their acting style develops and how they've changed throughout their career. And she just has had one of the most impeccable careers of any i mean she's a dame for a reason <laughs> absolutely <laughs> like and i didn't know i could do the voice until the harry potter accent challenge went round and you know i was watching these videos like how to blow up on tiktok and it said uh, <laughs> you should take a trend and then make it your own. And the Harry Potter accent trend was going on and everyone was doing Hermione and Ron and, and I was like, I'm gonna do a teacher's edition. And it was my first video to get 10K views. And I was like, I'm hey. famous. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was commenting like, your Umbridge and your McGonagall are so good. And I was like, well, mm. we just wanted them to fight. Like that's all Harry Potter fans wanted. It was Umbridge and McGonagall yes. to fight. So if I can do no both wants. voices, then there we go. And then that's just kind of where that went from. You know, because I was going to ask if you could always do the voice. That's amazing to learn that it's a, it's a recent thing that you developed you could do. I would love, no like, idea. See, I would love to see like a six-year-old you doing a, Mag a very impeccable oh McGonagall voice. You see, the thing, the thing is with the voice is that, I don't know if you've seen it, Maggie Smith, she got her first Oscar for Best Actress for a film called The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie. And in that, she plays a Scottish teacher and she recycled the exact same accent for McGonagall. And that's why I'm so good at the voices because I watched that film. It was the first 15 rated film I was allowed to watch. And I watched it over and over and over again. I was nine and I was obsessed with it. <laughs> And so I know that accent is inside out back to front now. So when people are like, oh, well, how do you know the accent from just, I think she's only in the eight films for half an hour. It's because of that. <laughs> <laughs> do people like, do people like recognize you out on the street? And if they do, do the, is the first thing just kind of like, do the, do the Minerva, do the Minerva. <laughs> I have been recognized in the street a few times, but nobody's asked me to do it yet. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. I think I kind of beat them to it, though. I'm just like, hello. <laughs> hello, you all doing? <laughs> Give them what they want. Give them what they want as soon as they say hi. Exactly. And with the, especially with my thing that went trending the other day with that stupid <laughs> wiggle thing. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> 
See, no. you killed that one because I tried to do that one with Good Burger and it didn't. It didn't do as well as like I thought it would do because it's like it's very obscure. But that, that McGonagall one, I was on the floor like laughing. My wife was looking at me like it's not that funny. I'm like it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like no, there was like, that trend got so old so fast. But there were a select few that I loved, and yours, yours were all top fucking tear like i was like yes. Yes. thank you very much i was so um it makes me laugh how on tiktok you know you can put so much effort into one video and it get no views and then something yeah. like that where i was like oh i'm gonna jump on this trend and it went pretty like it got 10 million views in like a day and i was like oh my god and then i was freaking out because i was like what if maggie smith sees this i adore her too much for her to find me annoying and for her to see this video and be like why is she doing that weird wiggle thing or the wind mcgonagall does the wiggle like maggie smith does the actual wiggle just like oh this is great i wonder if i could do that no i am i am a hundred percent positive that if maggie smith saw your videos like she would be so touched like literally the fact that like harry potter tiktok right now like you're like you're like at the forefront of harry potter tiktok and it's like the fact that it centers around McGonagall, around Maggie Smith, is just to me the most amazing, pure thing that ever could have happened. <laughs> like, uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you I so like much. I feel I'm surprised that uh, Tom Felton hasn't hit you up. Has Tom Felton hit you up? I'm pretty sure he probably has at this point. He should. <laughs> he actually he's never reached out to me, but I think I accidentally did offend him because uh, people were like, "Tom Felton is in your live right now." Tom Felton is in your live. And I was like, you're chatting. <laughs> Shit, no, he's not. <laughs> I was like, he's not in my life. And it was awkward as well, because at the time there was, and, and still to an extent, I think there's a lot that Tom Felton can do to help out the community, you know, and to do his bit and like talk on some stuff. Um, so I was just kind of, you know, saying my view on that. So I think he's like, nah. <laughs> but people tag him in my videos all the time. And uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's hitting me up. <laughs> what was he really in your life like just kind of like looking at you like damn <laughs> I <had> a chance. <laughs> the mechanical i always wanted to talk to she doesn't like me <laughs> just the, he was just about to hit the fucking duo live button and as soon as you said that he just eased his finger off of it and backed out of the live. <laughs> Dead. oh my gosh but it made me laugh the um he did a challenge the other day and i was like i really want to hop on this one but i needed so um felix felix uh, i think he's called he duetted it as harry potter and then someone duetted it as hermione and i was like i need someone to duet this as ron so that i can give them all detention <laughs> from the first one but there are no ron cosplayers oh, on harry on. potter tiktok where come are on. they I was putting I, out shouts on Instagram and everything. I'm, I'm not a Ron fan, so that makes sense to me. But I know whenever I say that, people are like, oh, you must not be a fan of the books because he's so much better in the books. I'm like, no, I, I'm a fan of the books. I just, I don't think he's that much better in the books. I, I actually really love Ron. I know. He's my favorite or my second favorite character. I know a lot of people love Ron. <laughs> like, I just... look, I, look, I called him a Trump supporter, okay? But, you know, like, like, I, I get it. Like, I, I get it, but... Dude, he was fucking poor. He he lived in a house with like fucking twelve brothers and sisters and shit. He was the ultimate middle child, like the ultimate middle child. Oh, hundred percent. He was he was not only was he neglected in his family group, he was neglected in his friend group. Loki, like you have the super smart one, you have the chosen one, and then there's Ron. 
<laughs> and that's how everyone always afraid. It was never like, oh, Ron could do this. But it was like, it's Ron. And he's funny because he but has to be. That's what but frustrated it's... me about Ron was that like he and Harry were totally on the same page all the time. And Harry was the chosen one. But that was not because Harry was exceptional because Harry was not exceptional. Like Harry mm-hmm. and Ron were just both scraping by together. And Harry had, had <laughs> so much worse than Ron. He was literally yeah, abused. And I know yep. that Ron is jealous of the attention because all Ron wanted was attention. Like when he looked into the mirror, all he wanted was to be like the best of all of his his brothers and sisters. But I just, uh, and like, I also like Hermione was always really important to me when I was, I, I very much related with Hermione, um, probably too much. Like I was not, mm. yeah, but um I always I hated that Hermione was into him because I just didn't did not think that they ever had any chemistry and I did not think Ron was always so mean to her like Ron was mean to her. It was it was school it was schoolboy mean I will make an argument for it was yeah. schoolboy mean it was like it was like dumb boy like type of mean like like uh uh Levi Osa not Levi Osa <laughs> no wonder she hasn't gotten friends like that was just how Ron like Ron 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 was always that friend that did too much. But you like, like you put up with it. Like even Harry was just kind of like, okay, Ron's making fun of me. Shut the fuck up, Ron. Shut the fuck up, Ron. He would make fun of Seamus. He make fun of Luna. But like it was like to me that was like his way of like showing affection. He's like he's like I gotta be funny because my brothers are funny. But like I gotta like try and be extra funny. Like the thing with Ron to me is that even though he was the middle child, even though he wasn't the chosen one or the smartest one or whatever, he still brought value to the table because he was the window to, for ron and hermione into the wizarding world ron grew up there ron knows mm. ron knows what's up he knows the politics he knows how the world works he knows the rules he knows everything and like he a lot of the times when his that value is on display it's when he's giving these types of information that would spark something in harry or hermione and things like that it's just that he couldn't see it within himself it's because nobody really thanked him for it. and i'm not saying like he needs a thank you but it's just kind of like Nobody ever really, like, said, not even in the book, said, like, oh, this is why Ron is part of the Golden Trio. He's just kind of there, and then, like, every now and then he'll come up big and, you know, fucking destroy a whole crux or whatever. But he was just he was just a mountain of insecurity, and I, like, growing up with, like, with three brothers myself, like, I can understand, like, the insecurity that comes from, like, having brothers that do this, having siblings that do that, and I'm just, I'm just here. And my parents don't even, they give me hand-me-down everything's and hand-me-downs fucking suck. Okay? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's like the, it's like the ultimate, like, so you don't care about me enough to get new shit. Like, fucking Percy got new shit. Jenny gets new shit. And it's mostly because she's, like, the only, only daughter. But it's, I mean, yeah. the like, wand I thing is particularly bad. Like, he literally had a broken wand and they were like, mm, no, we can't afford use it. Use it. Like, they were like, use how? it. How? How? <laughs> I talk about this all the time. Where <laughs> was the subsidy fund? Seriously? Where was it? No, there was <laughs> because no. and people and people always turn around and they're like, "Well, the Weasleys—they're very proud and they wouldn't want to take handouts." It's like, guys, I'm not talking about Harry needs to buy Ron a wand as a gift. I mean, a subsidy fund. If the Weasleys <laughs> are happy for Ron's education to be impeded for a whole year because they don't want Karen from finance to have seen the piece of paper that <laughs> says that Ron gets a subsidy fund. They are bad parents. <laughs> Very yeah, bad. Yeah, absolutely. 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 You know what? The, the thing that, like, sticks in my head, I'm talking like it's seared into my brain. Like, it's it's Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone. I, I grew up on the Sorcerer's Stone movie. But it's when, like, 
the trolley lady comes and she says anything from the trolley deers and this shit he pulls out i don't even know what the fuck it was he pulls out a bag of prison food <laughs> he pulls out a bag of prison food and says i'm all set and i'm like oh who packed your lunch bro it's, I, I tell you, you what, it certainly wasn't Molly Weasley that packed that shit because Molly Weasley yeah. would never like. Oh my god! He was like he literally he she either packed it for Steenley and then he literally just like sat on it a whole bunch of ways or somebody else packed that lunch because. I'm just I'm just saying there should have that should have been in a fucking paper. But what is it doing in your back pocket, girl? Like why? Are you <laughs> like why, like that? Like, I still blame the parents on that. Why are you pointing it at something that he could just like not like pack away or just like have a sack? He literally had a bag of slop and said, "I'm all set." And him, the fact that he said, the way, I don't know, I'm reading too much into this, but it was like the way he said it, it was like he, this has happened before on multiple occasions. Like, but see, this I'm to me is this. a prime example of Ron creating his own problems. Like, I am 100% certain that Molly Weasley would have packed him a lunch and his negligence would be the reason why it's so fucking mangled. Like, that's fair. Molly Weasley is a great cook. They talk about it in the books all the time that she is like, she provides for her family and she makes do with what little they have. And I yeah. am one hundred percent like this is this was Ron's problem all the time. So he gets his, in his own way because of his inferiority complex. And yeah. again, I don't mean to. I know a lot of people like Ron. I don't mean to just like jump on the Ron slander train. But I just, totally get it. I yeah, he's just he's never been my favorite character for that for those reasons. But yeah, I, I'm much obviously. I somebody said I didn't have this idea myself, but somebody said I, I heard this ages ago that Hermione should have been with George Weasley. Um, and that fully clicked hmm. to me. I was like, oh my God, their hmm. personalities, like literally being like the introverted, um, shy, like rule following girl. Like it absolutely makes sense that she would have a crush on like the yeah. slightly older, more dangerous, but still clearly they were brilliant. They were absolutely hmm. brilliant oh, yeah, and genius. funny. Well, I think yeah. that was the original plan, wasn't it? But back when Ron was going to die and fred ah. was going to live she was going to end up with fred and i always i always shipped fred barney when i was a kid and <laughs> then when sense. she ended up with ron i was like okay fine she'll ends up with she fine she's she's with ron for now but obviously that, <laughs> and then the epilogue happens and i was like oh but honestly i don't want to be that person but like Quite a few that marriages way. end up in divorce, and I feel like <laughs> yes. one of them. There I don't see no the last in the full couple. time. There's no <laughs> way they're making goes- it. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And here's the thing, though, because like I'm, this is still me like fighting for Ron, but at the same time, understanding if it happens in divorce. And I'm gonna make another dig at J.K. Stop fucking with the, the fuck the established whatever you got because yeah, she would say she would say shit like okay. Ron, she literally said Ron and Hermione will be in couples counseling right now. Like, they will literally be in couples counseling because Ron is still inferior. He still puts Hermione on a pedestal. And I'm like, okay, this is all true. This is all true. But I really strongly believe that JK despises Weasleys. And hear me out. Like, she, she, she despises all Weasleys. She mauled one with the fucking werewolf, mangled his face. She mauled one with the fucking snake, almost killed him. Then went on to say, yeah, he was supposed to die in that book. She then goes on to say that Ron was supposed to die in that book. She kills one twin, chops off the ear of another one, makes all of them poor, and then the only and then she brainwashes another one <laughs> and makes them open the chambers. She hates the Weasleys, and then the one Weasley, and then the one Weasley that, and then she made one betray the entire family by becoming a pseudo like governmental fuckwad, and like 
Then when all of it is said and done, you give the one with all the fucking like middle child syndrome a fucking win. And I'm not calling like Hermione like a win, but I'm just saying like he got the girl of his fucking dreams and you say they need couples counseling and they're on the way to divorce. I'm like... Ron would definitely be the kind of partner with Hermione that just doesn't do anything. And he would say, oh, but you do everything so much better than me. Like, why would I do it? You can do it better. So why would I do it? I'm just going to sit here on the couch like, oh, he would 100% be that guy. Ron doesn't need to be with anyone. That whole episode. Exactly. Ron needed to grow up. And that's the thing is I don't I don't hate Ron. I just think he was hands down the most immature character and he needed time Mm -hmm. to grow, which for some people happens after high school. So it's fine. Yeah, but yeah. that that I mean, whole epilogue was a dumpster fire to me. Like the book ended yeah. and the epilogue happened, and I was like, yeah. "What the fuck is this shit?" You want to you want to I... talk about terrible epilogues? I'm sorry, Chanel. Go ahead. Cause... No, no, I was just going to say that it just it just upset me that we'd watched so, like so many of these, particularly Hermione, because like the same as you, like Megan, I really like identified with Hermione growing up, and. Yeah, she is just that typical self-insert character. But I really identified with Hermione and like the whole yeah. struggle with the blood status and all of that. I was like, Hermione's me, and we kind of got her as this strong, independent person with her own bullet. And it was like, why do they all have to get married to people who that were in class with? Why exactly. are they all getting married and having Somebody babies outside. so early? Exactly. Especially. If they all live to 150, like average wizarding age in 1990 was 147, I believe, or something along those lines. If they all live that long, why they all have them babies at 25? Like, Ginny is an athlete. (laughs) Why is she being an athlete for two years and then retiring and having a baby when she's going to live to 150? I don't understand. I think she's 31. (laughs) She was like a 31-year-old retired athlete who who was like a writer. And I'm like... And You're really, you still have like at least 20 years of like Quidditch to play. People yeah. also and bring up all the time that like, you know, the, the parallels to like police brutality in the US and like Harry was literally targeted by the Ministry of Magic and ours were chasing him. They were literally like he, out for his arrest. And he saw how flawed the Ministry of Magic was. And then he goes and becomes an Auror instead of going back to Hogwarts, the only place he ever felt at home. How, how is he not the Defense Against yeah. the Dark Arts teacher? How is he not? The book, perfect, all of the books said it. Like, oh, there's never been a reliable yeah. Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. They're all terrible. Harry's favorite subject is Defense Against the Dark Arts. Hogwarts is Harry's home. He doesn't even want to go home <laughs> for Christmas. Oh, it was the... Oh, Especially since Voldemort's now dead and the curse on the position now it's gone so yeah now he could have like been the the one teacher that actually did something since voldemort was there further cementing his legacy as the one who like defeated voldemort he didn't need to become an or for that like literally him being a defense against the dark arts teacher would have been he defeated Vol- voldemort and he even fucking like said fuck you to the curse and <laughs> yes. became the teacher that voldemort <laughs> wanted and voldemort wanted to become a defense against the dark a, a defense against the dark it's... arts teachers and so it's like it's th- 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 anyway yeah <laughs> it is just that ultimate owning, isn't it? It's just like I yes. killed you and I took your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. See, also, I, I need like a, a, a like a parody of that. <laughs> it also would have been a beautiful parallel. It would have been a beautiful parallel for like what like understanding yourself means because he always had this idea that he wanted to be this like you know out there chasing bad guys, being an R, but he didn't have any uh, like 
role models that were horrors. Mm. But you know who yeah. was his biggest role model? Professor Lupin. And he could have realized yep. that the joy doesn't come from you know being out there getting the glory the joy comes from making those connect those meaningful connections and after lupin died it could have been a beautiful parallel for him to take up the role of like right. the person that arguably made the biggest impact on his life you know you, you know as i was reading the fucking god awful and i know we have to go my wife literally just came and looked at me and was just like <laughs> but uh like after reading the uh, god awful cursed child and just seeing like the shit that that they did um for one harry tells his son that he wished he didn't have him which I, that was like oh my I was god like, i was like harry like the first if you go from him tying a shoe and saying like oh like whether you're slytherin or gryffindor like it doesn't matter to me i will still love you the same the best people i knew was slytherin whatever to literally like the next like two years after that going like dude you're so fucking weird i wish i didn't have you like because he's in slytherin it's like Dude, and it's because like he's stressed out over his job as like head of the aura department because he hates like, it because he yes. hates it because he never wanted it he never wanted to be it's a hero in the first place he says this oh he says this throughout the entire series like i don't want this i don't want to be a hero and like if he would have just be fucking settled down became a teacher he could have just been bugging his son in the awkward way a parent is supposed to like hey buddy like yes ready for class you know but no we <sighs> And <laughs> as the like McGonagall representative, I just want to bring up in Cursed Child how he spoke to McGonagall made me physically throw the book. I was oh like, "You're God. telling me <laughs> that this guy who crucioed someone because they spat on McGonagall, who couldn't crucio Bellatrix after they killed Sirius." He's going to speak to McGonagall that way. And she's not going to backhand him in the face. I was like, who wrote this? She should. Who wrote this? There was like a lot of stuff. Oh, and Megan, I know you didn't read this, but you're going to fucking love this because it has to do with Hermione. Am I going to love it or am I going to be furious about it? You're going to be furious about it. So what happens with Hermione is like there, there's this whole thing with like time travel. They use a time turner and there's like time travels and then they fuck up the timeline and then like the whole like present gets fucked up. So basically the timeline gets fucked up and there's like now the new present is that Voldemort won and oh Harry's God. dead. And so apparently because Harry lost, like Hermione and Ron didn't like get to, well, they, they, they got together, but there was like one timeline where Ron is married to... Pat, uh, Patel, one of the Patel twins. Mm -hmm. He's married to them, and Hermione is a miserable headmistress of Hogwarts. Who, she like, made her an old single spinster. Oh my god. She turned into Snape. She literally she is Snape. Snape. She's basically Snape, and she's basically like miserable because she sees Ron every day, and she loves him, and she's like bitter because oh like she's not with him. She, oh she's really out here bullying kids. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm livid right now. I hope you know that I'm livid. I, she, no one can convince me. You think that J.K. Rowling hates the Weasleys? I think she hates Hermione. Like, anytime Hermione got a little too big for her britches, J.K. Rowling was like, mm, let's put you in your place. You're not, you're not, yep. the, you're not shit, girl. Oh, it makes yep. me so mad. <laughs> and, and Hermione also hit, hit a time turner as well. She also, like, hit a time turner in and the again, Ministry of Magic, despite the fact that they outlawed the time turners. I will just the say this. She gives, J.K. Rowling decided to give us this bullshit, horrible time travel story instead of giving us a story about the Marauders. What it's the fuck? the Marauders! <laughs> Please. I'm, so, I'm, not, I, but I'm sorry, I'm so I cut sorry. you off, Chanel. <laughs> no, no, I... <laughs> 
I was just going to say, while we're, while we're talking about Cursed Child, that one of the very few bits of like, I was like, wow, that's honest characterization was when Hermione hid that time turner at the ministry and McGonagall just straight up calls her a stupid. She's just like, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. What are you doing? You're so like, stupid. You're useless said- and you're useless and you're useless. <laughs> No, because everybody there, like, there's, like, everybody there was, like, so out of character, and there had to be somebody to, like, call them all out. Like, there had to be someone. Like, the the only other person that I could say was, like, kind of, like, in character was Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like at this point, because at this point he's just like I'm done being a deaf eater. I just want to fucking live my life in peace. Like you don't even have to forgive me for what I did. I just want my son to go to Hogwarts and like be done with it. But then they start saying like like horrible shit. Like oh Voldemort had sex with your wife and your kid is Voldemort's <laughs> son. And it's like, <laughs> and I'm just kind of like damn. Like bo- like yeah, Malfoy was a bully, but damn. Like nobody really deserves that. Like that. <laughs> and the fact that people believed it and even they even hinted that Harry believed it as well oh they even God. even like like Malfoy legit goes to Harry and says like dude like come on like you fought him like you know you you see my mind you Malfoy's wife is dead by the way so he's like you see my wife you've met my wife like you know this isn't true and Harry looks at him and says are you sure it's not true Draco and it's like what the fuck is happening here? Didn't what is they ha- also make Draco marry that girl from Slytherin, um, Millicent or I can't whatever? Even remember. I can't even remember her name. Like to be honest, I can't even. Remember I feel her like because I, I feel like when I no, he names Astoria Greengrass. I don't. I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I rem- now I remember. Like I oh. think she was that. Yeah, I think she was the character that was like like all over Draco and have blood prints. I think that was her. <laughs> And he was just over here like, I'm not going to be in school next year. Like, I, I thought God, that, that was, what's her name? The the Slytherin girl that they're always making Pansy. fun of. Pansy. Yeah, yeah, Pansy. I thought that was Pansy. Pansy, okay, okay. Then I, yeah, I definitely don't know her she, story. She must not, yeah. I, I think, think it's from the books. Yeah, I th- Astoria, she was in the epilogue. I don't think they mentioned her and then, but she wasn't at Hogwarts at the same time as them. Hmm. But, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just before we move on from Cursed Charles, I just want to bring up one more thing that I think is just necessary to Please talk do. about is the trolley lady with the Ben <gasps> Ten Diamond hats. That's straight up I like the this. kids. The kids are escaping the train because they need to jump off the train to go wherever they're going. The old trolley lady is up on the roof of the train. Her hands turn into knives. And she's trying to knife these kids back on the train. I told you this, Megan. You didn't tell me this. And yeah, I, I, come on. What the fuck? I, I, I call her, I call her the trolley terminator green goblin. Because like, not only does her hands turn to knives like the T-1000 from Terminator 2, but she takes the pumpkin pasties, she throws them, and they blow up like bombs, like the green goblin. So she's like, anybody want a pumpkin pasty? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my. So Ever since reading it, I've always been calling her the like Ben 10. <laughs> it just reminds me of Diamond yes. Hands from Ben 10. Like, I love it. <laughs> But that oh, whole thing was the biggest dumpster fire I've ever seen. In my, I did go and see the play, and I'll say that the actual magic of theatre is beautiful. But mm-hmm. if we had been able to read the scripts before I bought the sat for eight hours in a queue to buy those <laughs> tickets, I would not have bought those. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, like I, I keep hearing the play is like phenomenal, like, like technical, technically wise. But like in terms of like the story, because I just read it and I was just kind of like, I'm not seeing this shit. Like I'm not. And the there, there was like a moment where like I had to just put the book down. There was a line, a single line, where I literally put the book down and didn't pick it up for like three days, where Scorpius says, "My nerdiness is a quivering," and I just. I just, I was like, you lost me. You lost anymore. me at Scorpius. Let me just say yeah. that. Like, that's his name. F- his fucking name is Scorpius Ugh. Malfoy. I love Chanel. My I love how you bring up that out of he names. There's like each of his kids has like eight names, and they're named after fucking Snape and all these people. And he doesn't not a single name after Minerva. Like, yeah. it breaks my heart. And one of my children will be called it at least a middle name. At least. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one is already called Maggie, but I I would love to get into like the uh, I'm sorry. I would love to get into like the Fantastic Beast thing, but I, I, I really got it. Like, honestly, yeah. that's, I, I cannot talk about that without going into a 10 minute rant myself. I'm, like, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a whole so. thing. But it's we we are thing. wrapping it up. Magical but I Pokemon, honey. I think we should. I think we should. Uh, I want to know which houses you guys are in. Strahad, I think I already know what house you're in. But Chanel, tell us yep. what what is it, if you're comfortable telling us because it could be personal. Oh. What what is oh. what is your house? <laughs> I am I am a Gryffindor. <laughs> Sorry to be boring, but um, no. I am I I. <laughs> I hate to be that person. Like McGonagall is my favorite character, so obviously I'm a Raven called Gryffindor Hatstall. But <laughs> I do, I do think that I probably would be a Hatstall Gryffindor. But I grew up always thinking I was a Hufflepuff. But I have done that mm-hmm. damn test over and over and over and over again. And now nah, I am a Gryffindor indeed. Hmm. Hmm. I, I suspected you'd be a Gryffindor. I <laughs> straw hat. I felt it. Well. I'm a Gryffindor as well, yeah. but hey. uh, I I took the test twice, and the second time because like I forgot my password and I just didn't do it. Then it was it was so like reclaim your house situation, and so I reclaimed my house, but I didn't reclaim it because I became a Hufflepuff. So now I'm like, Ooh, okay, um, a Gryffindor. Do I go puff. with the first a uh, Gryffindor? So I'm I like, do I go with the first? Those. I can see both of those like definitely like happening because Cedric. I was going to say, equally you'd be like a, a Gryffindor. Yeah. yeah I, you I, know? Well, and that's the thing. I hate, I had this conversation on my TikTok recently about like, I don't, I think the housing system was stupid. Um, mm-hmm. And people got so mad. Like, I said that I thought Hermione should be a Ravenclaw. People were like, no, absolutely no, but that's not. Facts, but then and their argument was that, no, the hat doesn't sort you based on your actual traits. It, it sorts you based on what you value, which I find, I take issue with because the founders. Uh, created houses based on what they value and it says in the books mm-hmm. that they they picked students that fell within the things that they value so the founders mm-hmm. you cannot tell me that Ravona Ravenclaw would not have wanted Hermione in her house that's yeah. that's absolute bullshit yeah um yeah. but like yeah so I I just think that like personally I think that in the books the sorting system was very much just Rowling's way of like Gryffindor is just the hero house in the books that's all it is it's like she just took any character that she wanted to be one of the heroes was in Gryffindor automatically Um, but I do think that in our world the sorting system is valid for like whether you're a Gryffindor or Hufflepuff like my sisters uh, uh, both of my sisters actually are Hufflepuffs Um, and I remember at the time when they were sorting they were like "Uh, what what even is Hufflepuff but I think Hufflepuffs are amazing I think Cedric is a a perfect example of a Hufflepuff I think that like when he tells Harry um, the trick about the egg you know because he's so loyal and you know honorable I think that that's you know and and 
Hufflepuffs can be super brave. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I personally think that the sorting system in the books is rigged. Like the entire idea that the majority of the kids go to the school either wanting to be in Gryffindor or wanting to be in Slytherin, which is basically yeah. just like a little alt-right echo chamber, which I'm like, why would you want <laughs> Why would you want to do that? That seems like a problem. You're surprised that these kids are turning out to be fascists after this. Like, Yeah, mm-hmm. plus their parents are Death Eaters like, exactly. with the same exact name. Crab, exactly, exactly. Goyle. Yeah, but um, I, I am a Ravenclaw, but I was, I was a hat stall. Um, they did ask me if I wanted to be Gryffindor. And I will say, if I was sorted at age 11, I feel like I probably would have been a Gryffindor. Thank God. And again, people have said that the sorting process happens too young. Dumbledore himself. But yeah, I, uh-huh. I, would, I, I would not I would not fit in with Gryff, Gryffindors. I would want to, but yeah. I would um, be my introverted. I, I would be so miserable trying to be extroverted <laughs> in that house. <laughs> so. yeah, you, could, could we, could we so just call the, out that? Splitwick. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Can we just call out that Peter Pettigrew didn't belong in, like, any house, like, at all? Like, no. he's, he's, he's not brave. He's not loyal. He's not cunning. Mm-mm. He's not smart. Like, there's nothing, like, that, that fits in that <laughs> house. He's my least him. favorite character. People always expect me to say, like, that Umbridge is my least favorite. But I absolutely value Umbridge so much for what she was. I love yeah. to hate her. I think yes. that without Umbridge in the series, we would lose so much. Peter Pettigrew. I have no time for these. Yeah. Nah. Nah. I'll uh, tell you I'm what. I'm still mad we didn't get to see him get choked out. He could have just <laughs> hung out with yeah. Filch the whole time because he's basically as useful as a as a squib. You know. Like. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a video of like Harry Potter characters that are best friends, like secretly or should be best friends, <laughs> and I think Filch and Peter Pettigrew definitely best friends. Yeah. Uh, they give the they, same energy. You know, if they were in the same time period, Newt Scamander, Cedric Diggory, total best friends. Oh yeah, like, for sure. You know totally, what? I'm gonna so. say maybe even more than best friends. I'm gonna say they could both be bi. <laughs> I, would, I could see them both Absolutely. as bi. Yep, um, yep. I, I can take that one. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I, I was just talking about shipping and queer coding today on my on my page. That's not to say that anyone who reads them as both straight is incorrect. It's just something that mm-hmm. I personally could see happening. I could see it happening. And it's not. Yeah, it doesn't. That's mean. People, people have um, a lot of, well, opinions when it comes to McGonagall. Because I, I did McGonagall's love story because, you know, it was uh, it was released and I did uh, like mm-hmm. the canon rendition right. of it, but with my own biases in it. Because obviously I have written McGonagall's entire life story from day dot to where she is now. And um, yeah, it's really interesting hearing loads, lots of people's um, interpretation of the character and her sexuality and all of that. But I really do have to please the comment section and be like, you guys, we yeah. do not know. So you can't tell right. someone that it is not like you can d- do whatever you want, but don't tell someone else that they are wrong because that exactly. is their character yeah. for them to interpret how they want right. to. Exactly. And as someone right. who realized I was bisexual late in life, I also think that someone like J.K. Rowling could say, oh, this character's straight. For all she knows, they can be straight, like into their 30s. And then maybe they realize that they're not. And then maybe they get into a same-sex relationship. Like sexuality is right. not as rigid as people want to say it is. So for, to, to get all just pissed off about a hypothetical <laughs> character being read a certain exactly. way. It's so exactly. Funny. I mean, my personal interpretation of it, especially for McGonagall, considering, you know, she had a very religious upbringing yes. and grew up in Muggle, Muggle Britain, because that's, even though she was a witch, she grew up in uh, Muggle society. 
in the 40s, like she's yeah. probably not going to work it out until later on when she married a man who proposed to her like seven Ooh. times before she said yes. She finally <laughs> said yes be before they were about to die in a war. So yeah. I feel like it's yeah. pretty obvious to me that perhaps she's going to retire with a nice witch somewhere. But yes. uh, that's just it. it's up to everyone's interpretation, I think. <laughs> I love that. Exactly. And I love it. I also love your fan cast of Evergreen as Minerva because I'm obsessed with Evergreen. She's amazing. And she, I, she could totally sorry, do who? the Maggie Smith and uh, Evergreen. Evergreen? Yeah. Evergreen. Evergreen. Okay. Vesper. My, my daughter's name is Casino Evergreen. Royale. Yeah. My daughter's name is Evergreen. So I thought, I was like, oh. there's another? There's another? Uh, okay. That's what I was like. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. Okay. Um, oh, this this yeah, conversation say, has been so great. I, this, is, this is exactly the conversation I needed to have about Harry Potter. I love it. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that you brought the fucking trolley treats like, <laughs> like terminator lady because every time i talk about that book that's like my number one go-to i even have the the mark of the book like marked <laughs> it's, it's so it's such a weird and crazy thing and it's everything about J current jk like touching the series that i just need to explain it's all i need to convince people that jk is now like the new George Lucas of uh, <laughs> fantasy. Except George Lucas no, has always been very progressive. But but I get yeah. what you're saying, like sto storytelling wise. Storytelling. I'm wise. talking. I'm talking Star Wars. The uh, the the new like special the re editions. Yes. The re -edits. Oh god, I hate it's, those it, so I'm much. I'm talking that George Lucas. Yeah. Leave George. I love you. Leave your work alone. Like exactly. <laughs> just stop touching just leave it. Leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. You, are, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Exactly. And is goddamn 200 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. A fucking man. No, that's, that, that's, that, this, exactly. That, exactly what I was saying before. This is like, because it's hard, I find it hard to talk about Harry Potter and I have so many conflicting opinions on it and the creator and what it means. Um, but this conversation was everything that I wanted out of a conversation about Harry Potter. Thank you so much for coming on Chanel. Like literally Thank you. when we first started our podcast, Straw Hat, I'm sure remembers that like you, we, we made a list of like, you know, collaborators that we really wanted to work with. And you were, you were, you were at the top of our list. Like we, I, I don't think we really knew when we would be ready to do like a Harry Potter episode because of everything surrounding Harry Potter, <laughs> but we knew we wanted to. And you were, I was like, yeah, I was even like scouring. I was like, okay, she does follow you, Straw Hat. Like we, you could probably get a message through to her. Like we got. At first, at first I was like, at first I was like, who? And then like I saw your account, and then I was like, oh, she's great. Then, like she's amazing. We need to get her now. Oh, thank you so much. Honestly, I've had the best time. For anyone who does not follow Chanel, she's uh, Chan Wills, right? On on TikTok. Yeah, Chan yeah. Wills Zero. Yeah, and you absolutely must follow her because she's Please. wonderful. <laughs> Please. Please, thank you amazing. very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for coming on. This was, this has been a blast of a conversation. Always, I, like, I'm honestly just in my head thinking, like, part two of Harry Potter? <laughs> because we didn't even get into, like, Fantastic Beasts, and we know there's, like, a third one coming out eventually. Yeah. Oh. I mean, there's three more. So literally, I would too. love to, especially with Fantastic Beasts, considering how it's messing up McGonagall's timeline. I have a big old rant to have about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we will I mean, we will definitely have to do that, too, because, yeah, there's I, there is so much to talk about with Fantastic Beasts. It's really mm. it really is a conversation all on its own. Why the fuck are we getting to a Dumbledore Grindelwald story? And why does the story start with him losing a bag of magical Pokemon in New York? Yep. <laughs> 
why are they still not canonically queer? Ugh. <laughs> frustrating, frustrating. Yeah, but yes, I think I think that's a great one to end on. You guys, yeah. thank you so much for listening to Geeks of the Week, episode 12. We are on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow us on there. We're going to be tweeting a lot more. We're going to be asking you some questions. And as always, we do have a Discord, a Discord and a Patreon coming out pretty soon. So you yes. guys look out for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna and, say uh, yeah. it's, I, I'm gonna say it's gonna be launching this week. This week, I'm gonna this say week. that. That's what's happening. And there's Secret gonna be some episodes, big announcements guys. about the launch too. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are able to write us a review, leave us a rating on uh, on Apple Podcasts. We love you so much for it. Thank you Please. so much. All the support Please. we've gotten has been so great. Um, I really appreciated a few of the reviews from last week where you guys were quoting my very eloquent quote. Um, but yeah, we, we appreciate it. We love you guys. Um, thank you. And, 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 and keep the love coming, please. We love it. Keep it coming. All right. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs>